people assume that you look fine, so you're good. Even my closest friends have heard that I'm not feeling well or I'm dealing with some sort of symptom and I cancel plans. And then they see me the next day and they're like, you look great. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that what's going on internally is okay. And so it's really challenging when you don't have a physical display of what you're going through. Welcome to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jane. Hey, girl. Hey. Well, Harper Spiro has a rich and diverse background working in several industries, including marketing, public relations, and event production for clients such as Johnson & Johnson, Disney, and the David Lynch Foundation. After a life-altering surgery for a rare immunodeficiency, she shifted gears to become a business coach for service-based solopreneurs and small business owners, helping them navigate the entrepreneurial journey. In 2018, she launched Made Visible, a podcast that amplifies stories of people living with invisible illnesses and now offers writing classes and workshops for that community. Harper is working with companies to create inclusivity and connection for their employees living with invisible illnesses. And in 2021, she joined the board of trustees for the Immune Deficiency Foundation. When she's not coaching, podcasting, consulting, or connecting people, Harper is exploring new places, enjoying live music, and chasing sunsets. She made the move from New York City to Tel Aviv, Israel, and she's loving every minute of it. Listen to this show if... You want to get the inside scoop on invisible illnesses and bust some common myths. You'd like to learn how you or companies can support employees or other people with invisible illnesses. Or you want to be inspired by stories of resilience and growth from those living with invisible illnesses. Hey, Harper, it is so great to have you here. So this is Jamie. I've been following your work with Made Visible, and I just think it's really so fantastic. So Can we just start there? Can you just kind of spill the tea on what exactly is invisible illness and what made you want to start a podcast all about it? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So invisible illnesses are conditions that are not available to the naked eye. They're not available for people to see what's going on. If you're walking down the street, you may not know what someone is going through. It could be a chronic illness. It could be a disability. It could be a mental illness really could run the whole gamut, but it's really about not being able to see what someone's going through. So the reason that I started this podcast is because I was diagnosed with a super rare immune deficiency when I was 10 years old after having symptoms since birth that my mom took me to every doctor in New York City trying to get answers, trying to figure out what it was that I was going through, and no one knew what to do with me. And I was diagnosed at 10 with a rare immune deficiency called hyper IgE syndrome. There's less than 300 of us in the world that live with it. And yeah, it's really rare. So I used to live with a lot of shame around navigating such a rare condition and having these different symptoms that were mostly related to skin and um, abscesses and eczema and boils and cysts and all this like really gross stuff that especially as a teenager or early 20 something didn't really wanna be forthcoming about. So I hid it and brushed it under the rug regularly. And then at 27, uh, I was working a high stress job in the beauty PR industry. And I would walk two blocks of New York City and feel like I was going to collapse. 
I all of a sudden just felt totally winded, couldn't breathe, something was not right. Went to several doctors, no one knew what to do with me. Finally went to a pulmonologist who did some tests and said, you have a cyst the size of a golf ball in your right lung and it needs to be removed immediately. I was 27 at the time and I hadn't had a CAT scan since I was 10. So we have no idea to date how long that was living inside me. So everything about my life is pre and post surgery and sort of learning to take care of my health and empowering myself to learn how to meditate and practice yoga and eat better and really just be more responsible with my health as opposed to making it this thing that I pretended didn't exist. I was 27, I wanted to live my life and I wanted to fit in. But after having the surgery back in 2012, I realized that I couldn't go on living the way that I was living. And I was looking for community and other people who were going through similar things and I found nothing online. Everything that I read was depressing. It was a lot of people whose reality, while it's their reality, wasn't something I resonated with. They were stuck at home, they couldn't work, they didn't have friendships, they weren't able to get jobs. And I couldn't connect with those stories because while I may have had a condition, it wasn't something that was debilitating and forced me to you know, be stuck in bed. So I decided to create what I wish existed, which was a podcast featuring stories of people living with invisible illnesses, whether it's them as the patient or family members, caregivers, doctors, healers, people who started businesses because of them or them, their, their family members having invisible illnesses. And I launched that back in 2018. Um, I put a, a little bit of a pin in it in 2020 and decided to stop. And then I'm relaunching it right now. And I'm very, very excited to be bringing it back and getting a lot of really great feedback. Well, you're talking to two people with invisible illnesses right now. So should we maybe put our hands up? Like I can say that I am somebody who didn't ever have anything like that. And then all of a sudden about, Heidi, what was it? Two years ago, maybe I broke out in eczema. Like nothing I've ever imagined could have happened to me. It ended up covering about 90% of my body. And you don't really think of eczema necessarily as invisible because sometimes you can really see it, but more often than not, the feel is so much more than the look. It looks like this little light rash, like, oh, it's a little red. What are you complaining about? Because my body feels like it's being attacked by fire ants at all times. And it was unbearable. And it kind of like low-key ruined my life for about 18 months. And I really took a lot to get it under control. So that's my bout with invisible illness. And I know, Heidi, you've been through a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jamie and I have talked about this at length so much because we can relate with one another, especially as two people who are often on camera dealing with, yeah, I have a lot of things going on that are invisible, but um, one of them is just intermittent bouts of full body hives. So I can relate to Jamie on that front. I'd be going into shoot and being like, oh my God. And I'm a yoga expert. I'm in the sports bra and like minimal, minimal clothing. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Um, so aside from the fact that it's insanely uncomfortable to have full body hives, they itch like crazy. There was that stress element of like, I have to hide this because nobody wants to see this. Um, I also have, I know chronic pain isn't technically an invisible illness, but I have this crazy rare, very rare condition where my left vertebral artery, which is one of the four arteries that supplies blood flow to your brain, 
It actually loops through a tiny hole in my spine that's only meant for a nerve. So I have a nerve that is squished 24 seven. So the amount of pain that I experience on a daily basis is insane. And it, if it gets if it gets inflamed, if my inflammation level gets too high, I can't have a conversation. And the the level of like mental anguish and depression and all the things that that brings with it is it's really, you know, and obviously what you said resonated with me about the yoga and the meditation and the, you know, Jamie and I both have taken the last few years to really take a hard look at our habits and how we can, you know, actually carve out time for sleep that we didn't necessarily do. And, you know, it's little things like that. So there's, you know, Jamie and I both also have autoimmune conditions, you know, and Mine is as of yet undiagnosed. Jamie, I'm not sure if you've got a diagnosis yet, but we, we've learned in our podcasting that it takes an average of five years and five doctors to get the actual diagnosis. And it's funny slash not funny. This one specialist that we, I actually went to her after we interviewed her here. She was like, you know, you have all the symptoms of this one, but the biggest one is that people with this condition have the driest, itchiest eyes. And I was like, no, not me. The last two months straight, I want to tear my eyes out of my head. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) This is why it's so frustrating, right? Because it makes me feel crazy. Yeah, it it does. And no one knows what's going on. And they're like, well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Why are you canceling this? Why are you canceling that? Why can't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? And you're like, I really don't want to explain my whole like health, like roster dossier to you. I just want to like exist. And yeah, it might be harder for me to have conversations on certain days because my pain level is at a 9,000 instead of at a 900. It's so invisible illnesses. All this to say is Jamie and I have a little bit of an understanding of invisible illnesses. Heidi, by the way, chronic pain, I would definitely put in the invisible illness category. I don't know how you could even question that because it is something that is going on in your body that no one knows what is happening. And I think that's one of the things that I always talk about is walking down the street, you have no idea what people are going through. You have no idea sitting in a business meeting, what other people are living with. And that is my goal is to help people share their stories and come clean and come out because there's so many people that are living in shame and discomfort that we can be so much more compassionate if we share about these experiences and what we're going through. And I know, you know, your emphasis on wellness and sort of taking care of yourself being such a priority, that's something that really shifted for me. And what's interesting is when I was in high school, my mom ran a holistic healthcare center. It was like so, so ahead of its time. This is right after 9-11. They're doing Reiki and acupuncture and reflexology. I mean, these super, super out thing out there things that I don't even remember. And I was open to doing them at that time, just because it was where my mom's place of work was. And I would, you know, meet with these practitioners, but ultimately I wasn't really believing in it and feeling like they could make an impact on me. And here I am all these years later going, I'm open to any of this. I will not, you know, right now for the last, I don't know, 10 plus years, I've seen an acupuncturist every single week. These are things that are non-negotiable to me. And I see how much better my life is by practicing yoga, by going to acupuncture, by meditating, eating differently, just sort of observing what feels right in my body. 
and what doesn't and really listening to it, which I spent the first 27 years of my life absolutely not listening to it. I think so many of us do not listen to our bodies. And I think it's such, I know for me personally, it was such a big practice with yoga. It was really learning how to tune in. I think we're taught to tune out. I I do as a society. So I think it's such a powerful thing. It's such a radical act of self-love to listen to one's own body and tune in. So, but for any of our listeners, because I'm sure at least some of them, if not many of them, don't have an invisible illness. So if we could just rewind a little bit um, for anyone tuning in so they don't feel alienated. (laughs) So now that we've sort of established what an invisible illness is, I'd love it maybe if you could talk a little bit about how generally they affect people. Just, you know, obviously we all know, but I think for listeners, it'd be really helpful to understand how an invisible illness can affect someone's life. And also sort of on the flip side of that, what might be the biggest misconceptions that others might have about them most often? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, it's this broad category. That's why I liked the term invisible illness as opposed to just chronic illness or just mental illness. And I think the big thing here is it's anything that someone is living with. And I've been careful with not saying struggling because there's a lot of people that don't feel like they're struggling while they're living with certain things. But with invisible illness, there are so many dynamics that people don't think about what you have to deal with in managing an invisible illness dealing with doctors, navigating the communication in workplaces and making sure that accommodations are met when they're needed, uh, dealing with friends and family and just ensuring that they are understanding what you're going through and can support you. You know, one of my biggest challenges is asking for help. And really it's so- Jamie and I cannot relate at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. It's so hard. It's so hard to ask for help. But at the same time, I've learned that my friends and my family are not mind readers. And I've been in situations recently where I'm like, why didn't this person call? Well, because I told them to leave me alone and not reach out until I reached out. So it's really figuring out how to empower the people around you to support you and figure out what it is that you need and not have yourself feeling like a burden. Because I think so often people in the invisible illness community do feel like a burden. Um, and regarding the misconceptions, I mean, there's a lot of them. I think that, um, I mean, I think I've seen people just be like, why can't she just get it together? Yeah, there's definitely a level of that, but there's this whole concept in the invisible illness and chronic illness space around, but you don't look sick. And the three of us are sitting here and just by us sitting here, looking at each other on video, we would not know what the other is living with. And that's exactly the point is that people assume that you look fine, so you're good. Even my closest friends have heard that I'm not feeling well or I'm dealing with some sort of symptom and I cancel plans and then they see me the next day and they're like, you look great. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that what's going on internally is okay. And so it's really challenging when you don't have a physical display of what you're going through. I used to always say a cast or a patch on your eye or a band-aid to show what is physically happening when it's internal. So I think that is the biggest thing is people, because they can't see it, because you don't have a shaved head because you're going through chemo, they don't think that it's really something serious to take, something to take seriously. That's a really good point. And I can imagine that would come up in the workplace. I mean, even my own 
my own family, my poor family, God bless them. My husband and my little boys dealt with me wrapping my actual legs in gauze that had been dunked in apple cider vinegar over and over and over because it was the only thing that would relieve the discomfort at least a little bit. I smelled like a mother freaking salad every single night going to bed next to my husband. And he was like, it's okay, babe. You know, he just did his best because he loves me, but it's like our bosses don't necessarily love us. They just like, we work together. So you had mentioned, right? Like how you have made suggestions about how workplaces can be a bit more supportive or be creative in ways that they support their employees who maybe have invisible illnesses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Before I do, I'm wondering if you ever tried bleach baths because I'm a patient at the NIH, the National Institute of Health, and one of the doctors there refused to meet with me in full until I did bleach baths for having eczema and then came back to prove that that would change the game. I've never done a bleach bath. I'm You're blowing my mind because I just listened to a podcast about like this whole nefarious world of like bleach as a, a cure-all. So that's a whole story for another day. But what I will say is like when somebody told me to take ACV, I was like, oh, I do. He's like, no, 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 honey, topically. And I was like, say what? So I think eczema is one of the weirdest because no, even doctors don't know where it comes from and it could be contact dermatitis. It could be you're just stressed out. It could be you have an allergic reaction. You could have like sulfates in your body. That could be anything. And I think that's really the big mystery. And the same goes for treatments. What works for one person might not help another and then vice versa. So I, when I say I tried everything and being an Instagram influencer, when I shared about my eczema, I don't think I've ever had such a, a loud response from my audience as I did through my eczema journey, because as it turns out, everybody has eczema. And so, so many people give me advice. I tried a lot of it. Almost nothing worked, to be perfectly frank, um, including steroid creams, including everything. Finally, I will say, I'll just mention this, and this is not a paid ad. This is just what I discovered was I, I started taking Dupixent. And it actually got rid of my eczema after a year and a half of struggling with it. So very happy for that wonder drug. But, you know, I tried literally everything except for a bleach bath, apparently. I yeah, watched, you gotta try I watched that Jamie out. do I, it. <laughs> I, was on, I was on Dupixin for a short period of time, but the side effects destroyed me. Um, oh, I didn't have any. So I, it, it, I mean, it affect, things affect people differently. Exactly. So to answer your question, I just had to make sure you're aware of that because really life changer for so many people. Now I'm going to Google. So in the workplace, what I realized, and I think one of the quote unquote benefits of the pandemic was companies realizing that they needed to prioritize the health and mental health of their employees and that people were looking for jobs that were going to be accommodating. So I am working with heads of disability, HR, employee resource groups in creating programs for them to help their employees feel empowered to share their story. So we're creating podcasts. They are being guests on my podcast. I'm facilitating writing workshops, encouraging people to write and share their story, and really just helping people who have no experience talking about what they've been through in a public way feel more empowered to do so. That's amazing. And well, so while you've been doing this, are there any sort of standouts or heartwarming stories about the hum amazing humans or just any stories that you've encountered or experienced within all this work that you want to share? Because I feel like 
a lot of people feel powerless to make change, right? Because they think they're just one person. So I think it's so important to hear the positive impact that one woman's mission can have on others. Are there any standouts? Yeah, I mean, I think that like there's a lot of ways to sum up a lot of the conversations I've had with corporate as well as on the podcast and in facilitating writing classes. And I think the big thing is people feel so feeling so much less alone in sharing their story. And people, I just recorded an episode of my podcast with four people who had taken my writing class. And one of the things that came up from the conversation was them saying that they came to the class so nervous. Why were they showing up to a Zoom session with total strangers to talk about and write about their health? That felt so scary to them. And then they showed up and felt that I created a safe environment for them and made them feel that no matter what condition they had, whether you have cancer, depression, bipolar disorder, or a rare disease, that there were so many similarities amongst the group and people could understand them. And they were able to show up and be 100% themselves, not feel like they had to put on a bit of a facade. And I had tears in my eyes because it's just such proof that people just wanna be who they are and not pretend. And I think on Zoom these days, it's like, how polished do you have to look? What does your background have to look like? You have to be sitting upright as I do it right now. But I had people in my class would show up in a, on their couch, laying down. People would turn the video off because they were get going with, through whatever they were going through. Some people would write in the chat instead of you know speaking aloud because they were dealing with voice issues. And nothing about the, ch the class felt different or off or anything, but it was making accommodations that were so simple that made people feel included. And so that's just really powerful to think about, about in the workplace and in general, about the simple things that you can do to help other people feel like they're seen and heard in the invisible illness space and beyond, really. It's not just invisible illness. Uh, you know, I was just thinking that I was just thinking like, this is so, you know, indicative of like, you never know where anyone is on their journey. And as we meet and, you know, fellow travelers each day, I always think about it when I like have a little bout of road rage at somebody and I'm like, I want to murder that person. And I'm like, you don't know what's going on. Give them a break. Totally. And we're so quick. We're so quick to be angry and hateful. And it's like, you don't know where people are and they're probably in a tough place because it's just tough to be a human being. So, you know, it's really fascinating what you just said. That that vision of that Zoom was very powerful. It is clear that the Made Visible community has really taken off. And it's amazing to see how much it's grown and brought people together. Looking forward, where do you see the conversation and maybe behaviors going around invisible illness specifically? And how do you see yourself being a part of that in the future change? You know, it's interesting. I never, ever thought in my life that I would be doing this for a living. It is so far away from my dreams and goals. I wanted to be a teacher. I liked being a teacher, but I didn't think a teacher of invisible illness or an expert on invisible illness. I think for me, you know, growing the podcast and growing the brand to just continue to help people with sharing their story. And I think that's where it's been amazing in working with companies and seeing their, you know, them being so receptive to having these conversations. I have not had a single company say no to me yet. While there are potential no's down the line, nobody has flat out said no, because everyone realizes how important this is. This is. And so I hope to help more in people living with invisible illnesses 
feel supported and seen instead of suffering silently. Because there's too many people that are too afraid to talk about what they're going through and too ashamed of what it is that they may be living with. And to your point, you know, you just don't know what people are going through. So I think there's opportunities for people to become more compassionate allies, coworkers, friends, and family members, and support one another. Because really, at the end of the day, you don't know what you're going, what people are going through. I was in a yoga class the other day, and I realized everyone in the yoga class was dealing with some level of a fertility challenge. And they didn't all know it, but I did because I had had conversations with each of them at some point. And I'm realizing there's just so much more that we are, there, there are so many more ways that we are alike than we are different, if only we're willing to ask and open up those conversations. We are so much more alike than we are different. I'm like full body chills. <laughs> Jamie and I have also both had our fertility struggles. So I'm like, we relate on every level. Um, okay. So for anyone listening who does have an invisible illness, who maybe isn't being vocal, who does feel alone, what message do you have for them and what advice would you give to them? So I would say find your people. There are so many communities online. There's so many Facebook groups and places where you can find people that are living with the condition that you have. I personally discovered a Facebook group of the people with my condition. And while I don't go in there often, because to be honest with you, people are a lot sicker than I am and I don't really wanna see that. I know that it's a resource for me. And when I go in there, people are talking about all of the same drugs that I'm on, the same symptoms I'm on. And suddenly, immediately, you see that you are not alone and you're represented amongst other people. So I think that's number one, is really find your people, do a Google search, find resources online that may be valuable for you to rep you know, see representation. And then in general, you know, so many people find my podcast and are learning more about invisible illness or their condition through other people. So just sort of seeking out information, find your trusted sources. Um, and I would also say, start talking about it because I think people, again, are living with this, afraid to speak up, thinking that someone's going to judge them. And more often than not, you're gonna get more support from people by just being yourself. So much of my fear growing up and in my twenties was, if I tell people about this, they're gonna judge me or they're gonna look at me differently. And here I am running a business all around it. So it's just proof that if you just try to be, or, or not try, if you are exactly who you are and don't put on a facade, people are gonna love you for who you are. Beautiful. Well, finally, I just really want to ask about your coaching business quickly, because I know that you moved to Tel Aviv. Can you tell us about that? Like, first of all, tell us about Tel Aviv. I'm always fascinated when people move to Tel Aviv. I think it's the coolest thing, but it feels like such a world away. So what brought you there and what else are you doing in the scope of your work right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I came to Tel Aviv or I came to Israel in general back in 2008 on a Birthright Israel trip a free seven day paid trip that if you're a American Jew, uh, you can come and do this. Um, I had no interest. I was not religious. I am not religious, but I came on this trip and fell madly in love with Tel Aviv. I was here 13 times between 2008 and 2020. I spent three winters here. And then given the last few years of the pandemic, 
in 2021, I was like, I need to get there. I need to get back for the winter. And they weren't letting tourists in. So I said, the only way to do this is by making Aliyah, which means getting citizenship. So I became a dual citizen and I came here in November, 2021 with the intention of spending the winter, going back to New York, coming back for a little while, but I've been here the whole time. And apparently I live here. So it happened accidentally. <laughs> I love it. I'm a diehard New Yorker. I used to introduce myself as, hi, I'm Harper from New York. I've never lived above 23rd Street and having so much pride in that. And all of a sudden <laughs> I live in this whole other country that's 12 hours away. I love it. I'm an eight minute walk to the beach and talk about you know self-care. I could not live without having access to the beach like this. Like whether I'm here for good or not, I really jealous. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds amazing. Life changing. But I think, but I will say Heidi and I are two New York transplants, like post pandemic. We were, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Heidi. I definitely thought I was a lifer. I didn't oh, think I would. Leave we York, got in right? our apartment down to cinder block and studs right before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you kind of thought that too. Like yeah. we weren't planning on going anywhere and we would, and, and that, and that would have been a happy life too. And I moved to Pennsylvania and Heidi moved to Connecticut and we have that same access at least to like woods and trees and grass and like squirrels. And I think that what I have learned at least, and it sounds like you would maybe agree is like, one doesn't have to be better than the other. Like there's dual good lives out there. Like New York can still be awesome. Well, Pennsylvania is awesome. Like one doesn't have to win. And I think that's the beauty of life. And maybe the silver lining of the pandemic is that it taught a lot of us that another truth might be possible for you too. Absolutely true. And I think I know for sure that I don't want to be here in late summer when it's way too hot. I'd rather be in New York or I'd rather be traveling. So that's already in my head of, yes, I live here. New York in late summer. What? Something that's not New York or Tel Aviv or something with a pool at least. Um, and then to answer your question, Jamie, on the business coaching front, so I worked in uh, many jobs, 10 years, eight different jobs before starting my business. And I worked in beauty PR, um, tech, music, really jumped around a lot. And given my health, I realized that I wanted to go out on my own. So in 2014, I launched my coaching business. I started as a life coach. Then I transitioned into career transition coaching because I had so many people who knew how many jobs I had and said, okay, she knows how to navigate this. And then I realized that I loved working with solopreneurs. So I have been working with clients one-on-one uh, -on -one and in group settings who are solopreneurs who either have an idea for a business, want to launch a business, or already have an existing business and want help building it. And I help them with the behind the scenes. So I refer to myself as the external COO or CMO to my clients' businesses. That is very cool. Um, well, we have one last little segment that we always do, and I'm just going to sing it loud and proud. It is called Karma Call. <laughs> so thank you, Jamie, for your enthusiastic delivery. That was amazing. Um, I will explain to anyone who doesn't know, karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that is you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action, large result. I would ask, I would encourage people to say, how are you really? 
I'm hearing a lot of people who are saying, how are you? And not actually listening to what people are going through. And this is an opportunity to actually do some deep listening and allow people to feel heard instead of just going, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, end of conversation. Powerful, powerful stuff. Really, really like that. Thank you for sharing that tidbit. So for all of our listeners, where can they find you both on the gram and on the World Wide Webs? So I am Harper underscore Spiro, S-P-E-R-O on Instagram. My website is harperspiro.com. And then Made Visible is Made Visible Stories on Instagram. And the website is Made Visible Stories. So go check it out. Check out the new podcast episodes launching in March. And excited to connect with more of you. Fabulous. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom, your knowledge, and your heart here today. We loved it. I hope everybody at home loved it too. Thank you as always for joining. Don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time. 